Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. So once again, it's Harmony House Sunday. It's something we do every quarter. Uh, We do this because we want to make sure that this ministry stays on the forefront of everything that's happening here at at Harmony Christian Church. Uh, Harmony House has been a dynamic ministry there in the city of Elwood, and it continues to grow uh, month after month. The Lord just keeps doing things. Doug, I could hand him the mic, and he could tell you, spend hours or even the whole day probably, telling you story after story after story of how God is intervening in people's lives there in Elwood. Uh, So we're going to give him just a little bit of time here to uh, let you know what's happening at Harmony House uh, to maybe give you a few of those testimonies, to introduce you to a few people who have been uh, very influential there, and, uh, and, and to celebrate what Harmony House is doing in Elwood. So, Doug, go ahead and take it. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church and partners at uh, Harmony House. What I want to do, uh, of course, it's been three months since we've uh, done this, and I'd like to just maybe highlight a few things that have happened in three months. And um, one thing, very significant coming October 1st, is it will be two years since we have been in that new building. Uh, yeah, hard to believe it's been two years already. Um, God just keeps blessing, and in that it makes me think of, I just had a, a, a sorority last, uh, what was it, week before last, um, they serve food once a month for us, and uh, we were talking of different things, and uh, here they come in with a check for $1,000 for us to finish the ceiling in the kitchen and put a vent to it over the stove. So we got started on that project, and that's uh, just one of the little things, uh, not little things, big things, that God just keeps showing and doing for us. Uh, you know, I, I always say there's there's just not a day that goes by where uh, someone doesn't bring something. Maybe that's clothes, maybe it's money, maybe it's food. God just keeps blessing. I mean, it, it truly, uh, just being there every day, the, the strength that I gain through just seeing people want to help. It, it's just amazing. And then, of course, y'all, uh, through this thing that we do every quarter, it's very significant. Um, I had a couple notes here. There's, uh, since the last time we visited, um, uh, several things. One of them, and we're going to have a couple guests here, uh, but uh, Narcotics Anonymous meetings we are hosting. And uh, actually, we've started out on a Tuesday, and now we've gone and added a Friday meeting. So we are uh, hosting, and they are hosted, uh, hosting, and um, actually, we have two leaders that are leading those meetings. I just simply sit there and listen and learn. Um, so they are touching, um, truly, I mean, 10, 15, 20 people every week is being touched to do this NA. I mean, it is very significant. And um, the, um, the recovery thing that uh, uh, I see is amazing. So that program there, so we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute, but uh, it is huge. Um, God just keeps bringing folks to. I've had a, a few days ago, I had a man uh, come off the street. Uh, he'd been living in Indianapolis, actually from Elwood originally, but been down in Indianapolis. And um, 
heavily involved in drugs, drug dealer. He's a young man, 30, I think he's 32 or something like that. Uh, really been into the whole drug thing and uh, really uh, at the bottom of himself is wanting to do something. So spent several hours with him one evening and um, he accepted Jesus as his Lord. Hallelujah. And um, uh, there was another man, uh, same kind of same story, drug thing, um, accepted Jesus. And uh, I ended up taking him down to Fairbanks in Indianapolis, if you're familiar with that place. Awesome recovery place. I know of several great stories from there. Uh, so um, that actually makes two individuals that I know of that are down there and been going through that program. It's just amazing. Um, and just countless people since um, that we're praying for. Um, in fact, we're going to be handing out some prayer cards I wrote out and wanted to share with you some individual prayer requests. Uh, there's just mountains of them, and I think I wrote out like maybe 100 cards as far as I got. And um, But every day, we were serving food inside, and we were doing to-go meals, if you remember that. But uh, here a couple months ago is that we started doing just meals inside, and what that is is done is open the door for us to really minister. We're now able to, to sit down and not be bombarded with, uh, you know, like 50% of our food was going out the door to people we didn't even see. Um, so now we're, we're really being able to focus on the ministry uh, with individuals. And um, so praying every day with people and I mean, God's just blessing that, you know, so I'm not counting how many people we have. And I love that scripture. Was it uh, Matthew 18, 12 or something about talks about, you know, God, you know, leaving the 99 for the one. And that's what we're doing. I mean, we really are. Um, you know, I am. I am focused on the one. Um, one other thing I want to share with you, and you'll be hearing more about this later, is um, most of you probably know Ted Nichols, and in fact, his sister, Trina, is here. Um, but he's had on his heart for a long time of, of helping individuals, and we've been talking about this a good little while. And uh, you're going to be seeing from us, uh, we are developing a program. Um, it's going to be called Second Chance Restoration. And this is going to be a, a, a work program for virtually anybody that comes in or wants to work. We're going to put them to work somehow, uh, raking a lawn for an hour or, you know, maybe as simple as that or as complex as whatever you can imagine. But um, through this program, we're going to, you know, mentor, train, and of course, uh, and spiritually as well. Uh, so what we're going to be seeking um, are individuals that would like to first find a project that we can do, and then next support the project, because we're going to pay uh, our workers uh, through Harmony House. We're going to pay them uh, to go out and work. And of course, we're doing this work for free uh, to the individuals that we're doing the work for. So it's uh, going to be a way that we can kind of grab a hold of some people perhaps for an hour or two, whatever it may be, but then minister to them, teach them. And uh, so we're going to be um, 
bringing up uh, that program, and then uh, we're going to be seeking people that would sponsor. Uh, we'll have an, a separate fund for that program, but people that would sponsor individuals uh, to pay them whatever uh, we agree to do, you know, pay them on. So I'm excited about that. It's a chance that we're going to be able to grab some folks that, um, you know, so many of them, Gosh, you know, they don't have a mindset like we do. I mean, of working and, uh, you know, you get in a hole and it's hard to get out. Um, so I'm excited about this opportunity to put some people to work and uh, mentor them and uh, spiritually and otherwise. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've got uh, Mike Swan and Morgan, if you guys would come up. Uh, yeah, you, you come up, Morgan, Morgan Holloman, did I get that last name right? I want to introduce these folks to you, they, uh, they each lead, uh, one of the NA groups, uh, Mike's doing Tuesday, Morgan does Friday night, uh, leading, uh, the, the NA, and I, if you guys would just say something kind of about it, does, do y'all know what Narcotics Anonymous, these NA meetings are about? Do, do y'all have a, you've heard of AA probably, same type of thing, um, and perhaps we'll be doing an NA, or AA meetings too, uh, we've, I've had some discussion about that, but uh, would you share maybe just a minute of, yeah, oh. <laughs> What NA is? I mean, what what you're doing? Or uh, my name's Mike. How you doing? Uh, first off, beautiful church. This is powerful. He is he is definitely present with us today. I you can feel him in this room. Anyways, NA NA is an amazing program. It is absolutely a lifesaver. It is a lifeline. It is a float when you're in the middle of an ocean. It has completely changed my life. When I, took, when I took the Lord in and I had to hit my knees and I told him my life was a wreck. I have destroyed it multiple times, lost it, been through jails, institutions, everything. I had to ask him to come into my life and guide me and show me exactly, let me stop living for me and let me start living for him. And when I did that, he took me in. I don't know why he found me suitable to do. I don't know why he chose it. I, don't, I still don't understand that. But when he took me in and he started showing me and he started guiding me, he guided me to NA first. And he showed me, all right, this is going to make you figure out why you do what you do. And he did. And I, I, when it comes to being the worst of the worst, I was the worst of the worst. I'm not going to get into it because that's a long story. But I was the worst of the worst. And when he finally showed me, this, this program is going to help you. It's going to help you build into a person that you should be. And that's what he did. And then he led me to Doug. And I don't know, it, it wasn't a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence. I moved back to town about six months ago, literally three doors down from, from Harmony House. And it was not a coincidence. My mindset was, all right, how do I help with the community? Oh, there's a community center two houses down. I said, what? No way. Okay, perfect. So I go down to Doug and I start conveying to him, hey, this is what I'm into right now. This is what I want to do. And he fell right in line. He was like, man, that is crazy. You're at my door. This is what I've been trying to do because 
The recovery community was non-existent in Elwood before. They have an AA meeting out at Redemption Church, but it's, it's very, very small. It, it just, it wasn't touching a lot of people. And then we started ours. And it has grown so much. There are people contacting us every single week asking questions because addiction touches all of our lives. In one way or the other, you know somebody who suffers from this disease. And this is how you combat it. This is the only way to combat this, is you've got to have that solid recovery community that they can rely on and they can find solace in whenever they're struggling. One addict helping another addict is unparalleled. That is the way you combat addiction is the only way. So with Doug's help and Harmony, I, 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 I can't express how thankful I am for Doug, for you guys. It is an amazing journey, and I'm glad you're letting me be a part of it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. That's awesome. So true. And uh, I just praise God for you guys. And uh, the growth in this, uh, you know, I, it's, just, it's amazing to me how God works. But I think this is significant here, this, this N.A. In our, in our journey, in the, the journey of Harmony House. So um, we've got uh, some prayer cards. If you guys would uh, go ahead and pass those out, I'd like to share some uh, prayer requests of different things that are going on through, uh, through Harmony House, just a lot of different things. and. So if we could, I'd like, uh, like for you to just uh, become, uh, you already are, prayer warriors for uh, Harmony House. And for the, we need your prayers every day. And uh, here's a few uh, cards with an individual request on it that maybe you could focus on this week. And um, So let's just pray a moment. Father God, I just thank you so much. As you are good. You are good to us. And Father, I just ask that you would bless those that are holding these prayer cards right now. And, and they will just pour out prayers to these individuals. And um, they're just, you know, next week I could have another hundred cards. Uh, so just keep harmony. Keep these people in prayer. And Father, I just praise you for what you are doing. It is truly amazing what you are doing. And I look forward to, to tomorrow, to the next day, to what you're going to bring. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our partners here at Harmony Christian Church. Uh, we couldn't do it without your partnership. Praise the Lord. Just bless each of those here today. Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, let's start with, as you were praying, I was thinking, the whole recovery community in Anderson is great. In Elwood, it's not been so great. Um, and I was thinking a lot of people that come in feel broken 
they feel like they don't have anywhere to go, that they just are hopeless. They're hopeless. And through these meetings, we're able to reach people in a way that I can't even explain. Um, They can feel free to come in and not be judged. I know, well, how long has it been? Yeah, a few months ago, when he asked me, Mike asked me if I would be willing to facilitate another meeting, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know about that. (laughs) Um, Because I'm no different than them. But, I mean, I have people that just reach out to me, even on Facebook. Hey, can you give me a place to send someone that they know for help? And to me, it's not necessarily about helping a whole bunch of people. It's, I can think of two right now, that they're my, they're my main focus right now. Um, Anything that I could do to help them feel less hopeless is what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just in awe of it, how broken you can feel in the beginning and how strong it makes you feel once you get together. And you feel like you have a family. You're not alone. And people need to know that. And this, this program gives us, gives us a chance to do that. really all I got. Thank you, Morgan. Don't you love their heart? And I ask each one of you, we do need volunteers. You, you hear that from me all the time, I, uh, I know. And, but it's true, even if you could volunteer once a month or something, we need volunteers to help in the kitchen. We need volunteers that have the heart, uh, that want to help people. And I, I just assure you, just as that testimony right there, that... Uh, when we do that, we're blessed. I'm blessed every day, I think, more than anyone else. So uh, please, come and see us. Come up and visit and uh, let your heart lead you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome. Some great things happening in Elwood. If you were listening, he gave us, well, he gave us two uh, things we can do. I'm going to give you three. One, you've got it in your hand, the prayer card. Uh, pray for those, those requests on that card. Also, just pray over Harmony House uh, that the Lord would be able to continually use uh, what the Lord, or what's happening there at Harmony House, be able to use Doug, be able to use Morgan uh, and Mike there at Harmony House. Um, so continue just to cover that place in prayer. Uh, just pray that the anointing and the presence of the Father would be there. Amen. Number two, the other thing he told us we could do. Um, man, I had it in my head. <laughs> Say it again. Volunteer. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what most of us do too. We hear volunteer and then a little bit later we're like, what was that again? Oh, that was an example there of what, what happens. Volunteer, we can go, we can actually give of our time. Uh, one of the most valuable things we have, honestly, more valuable than our money is our time. And so that's another way we can invest at Harmony House. But another thing that Harmony House does need is money. 
And, uh, and so this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to sow into Harmony House. Many of you do that on a normal basis anyways. You're partners with the ministry. Uh, but but there's, we want to give you the opportunity today to, uh, to give to that today in a special offering. And so we've got baskets up here on the uh, corners of the stage here on the, on the speakers. Um, feel free at any time during the service, if you'd like, you can give to that uh, Come up here and place that in the basket, or just after the service, uh, come on up. We'll leave the baskets up here for a while after the service, and you can place your offering in there, and uh, and we can continue to invest in this incredible ministry happening there in Elwood. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for Doug and Harmony House, for Morgan and Mike that have have come along uh, and are investing their time and uh, their anointing into that place? Yes, Terry. You write it to Harmony House, is that correct? Nope, you write, you, if you have a check, you write it to Harmony House. Yes, thank you. Yes. I'm sorry. The address to Harmony House, yep, it's located uh, in the middle of Elwood. Tell, go ahead and tell me the address there. Eight, 1817 South A. There in Elwood. Yeah, I encourage you all to stop by there. Give of your time. If, if, if you aren't there to volunteer and you want to just check the place out, stop in there. They're in there between two to six every single day. Incredible, incredible place. All right. Will you all give me a little time to preach to you? <laughs> Make it quick. Robert, for you, for you, Robert, I want to take all day. All day. All right, Jesus, we just lift you up this morning. God, you are holy and you are good. God, and we honor you with everything we have this morning. Jesus, we have come this morning, yes, to fellowship with one another. Community is so important. I thank you for the community in this church. But God, even above that, Father, we've come to honor your name and we've come to hear your voice. So Father, I just pray that this morning, as I release the word you have given me, God, that it would come with spirit and with power, Father. God, that you would pierce our hearts and divide soul and spirit, Jesus. God, that you're anointing would rest upon this place, Jesus. We love you so much. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We've been talking about worship the past couple of weeks. I'm going to talk fast, so you got to listen fast, all right? We've been talking about worship the past couple of weeks. How many of you loved hearing from Paul last week, our worship leader, worship pastor? Incredible. If you were unable to hear that, if you were unable to be here last week, that is available on our podcast. You can, go to, uh, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast, just go there, type in Harmony Christian Church, you'll be able to find our podcast. I highly encourage you to listen to that message last week from our worship pastor on worship. Once again, he's had a lifetime of experience in worship and uh, has so much knowledge and so much anointing to share with us with worship. Um, so go listen to that. It's also on YouTube. You can go on YouTube, search Harmony Christian Church. You'll see our church logo there. Pull it up. Listen to that message this week. I'm going to continue this week talking about worship. This week, uh, the topic I want to get into the, to di dive a little deeper in worship is, is honestly kind of a difficult topic. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about worshiping through pain. Worshiping while in the midst of suffering. 
and the importance of that and what that actually does to us when we choose worship in the midst of pain. A few years ago, um, I was just living my best life, you know, everything was good. I went to the dentist that my sister works at and my sister decided that it would be a wise thing for me to get my wisdom teeth taken out. Now, let me tell you, they weren't bothering me one bit. There's no pain in my mouth whatsoever. But my sister decided that it'd be a good idea for me to get my wisdom teeth out. I think I was probably 30 years old or so at the time. By the way, I don't recommend if you're older to wait, or if you're younger, don't wait until you're 30 to get your wisdom teeth taken out. I'll just say that. You'll see why here in a minute. So my sister decides that it's, it's time to do that. So, so we make the appointment. I go there to get my wisdom teeth taken out. I was never given the option to be sedated. The reason why is because my sister decided for me <laughs> that I didn't need sedated. That numbing me would just be just fine. That I could take it. By the way, she did not give the same advice to my nephew who had his wisdom teeth taken out. But for me, it was going to be okay. I think she was wanting to pay me back for maybe the years of being her little brother. She, what she said is she wanted to save me money. I think it was like 50 bucks more to be sedated. So I was like, I would have paid $1,000 after the experience. But she was saving me money, supposedly. So I, I, we, we, I lay back. The dentist comes in. He numbs me. And I spent, I, it felt like an eternity, but I think it was close to an hour laid back. And, you know, before I've, I've heard about what hell would be like. Now I know <laughs> what hell will be <laughs> like. So not, not only, I mean, yes, it's true they numb you, but, but if you've ever experienced getting your wisdom and you are awake getting it out, it's not just the pain it's the sound of they literally break apart your teeth and you just hear this cracking noise. I uh, know, I'm, I'm going to make you all cringe this morning. This cracking noise and you feel the tugging and the ripping and oh, it, it is the worst experience of my life to date. Listen, I've, I've broken my knee, okay? I've torn my meniscus completely in half in the same knee. Uh, I, when I was about a freshman in high school, I stuck my hand in a table saw, okay? Uh, I've broken my ankle. Some of you remember that. I, that was a youth group event. I tried to do a back, or actually a front flip off a trampoline, and it was not, it did not work out well. I broke my ankle. I've had literally, uh, you can see if you've ever noticed, I have a scar on my face. Literally had to have a part of my face cut out. I would do all of that again before I would get my wisdom teeth taken out. You know, and it's the cracking, it's the breaking. But every now and then, too, every now and then, everything's going fine. They would hit a nerve that didn't get quite numb enough. It was horrible. It was horrible. And, and of course, I think three of my four wisdom teeth were all impacted. So it was just a terrible experience. It doesn't end there. About an hour of laying on the, on the table there, or the, in the chair, they sew me up. They send me home. You know the look. I got the chipmunk cheeks. 
they hand me a prescription to get some pain medicine. We get home. Granted, this was in Kokomo, okay? So, you know, about a 20, 30-minute drive back home. Amber drops me off at home, goes to CVS to get the prescription. By this time, the pain meds, the numbing, is beginning to wear off. And of course, CVS happens to be busy that day. So I don't know how long it was, maybe an hour, hour and a half before Amber was able to get home. All of the pain medicine, all of the, the, the numbing had worn off, and I was just pacing back and forth. Just, you know, you've heard it talked about in scripture that, you know, praying with groans and moanings that are, un, you know, unintelligible, that are unknown. I was doing that the whole way, just moaning and groaning in pain because I had no pain medicine. And, and, and the whole time, all I can think of was how bad I wanted to punch that dentist in the face <laughs> and my sister, you know, as all I could think about as I'm, as I'm pacing, horrible pain. Listen, humans hate pain, right? We hate being in pain. If you've ever met anybody who enjoys pain, they are not courageous. They are not tough. They are mentally insane. <laughs> if, you, if you talk to somebody who says they enjoy pain, run, okay? They are not normal. Something is not right because it is human nature to reject pain. We do everything in our power to avoid it, right? We do everything in our power to avoid it. But the reality is human suffering is part of the human experience. All of us are going to go through a time, a season, a moment of suffering and of pain. Can I get an amen? Can I have anybody, does anybody relate to that? We all go through seasons of pain. And listen, I told you the story of, of the dentist and the whole thing. And as horrible as that was, that, that was just a moment in time. I told you that because for some reason, it's also human nature to laugh at somebody else's pain. <laughs> You know, for, for some reason, humans can be sadistic like that. We, we think, case in point, America's funniest home videos, right? You know, something, there's just something funny about a toddler turning and running full force into a wall that just makes us laugh or, you know, it just, it's just normal. But, but I, I, that, that pain that I was experienced was just a moment in time. There is, there is pain that is so much deeper than even physical pain. There's emotional pain. There's, there's pain that is just, that is deep, that, that for me, it lasted, you know, a, a whole, you know, few hours there before I was able to have some pain medication and, and relieve that pain. But there's pain that, that, that there's not, there's not a prescription that fixes. And, and the, the sad thing is, is, is the reality is, is that human suffering is just part of the human experience. It's unavoidable. Pain is something we have to deal with as human beings. The question is, what do we do in the midst of the pain? How do we handle, how do we handle it where, when we are in the midst of suffering? We worship. The best thing we can do in the midst of human suffering is worship. 
is to take our attention off of ourselves and to place it on Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's important for us to worship in the midst of pain. Let's look at Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse seven, we're gonna start in verse 17. Habakkuk chapter three, verse 17. I'm just gonna read it off the screen here. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls. Next verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high hills to the cheap. And then it goes on. He'll make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high hills. That the, the, Psalm, or the, the writer of Habakkuk is saying here. That even in the midst of great need. When the fields are producing what they're, not, what they're supposed to be producing. When the animals are no longer in the pen. Even in the midst of these issues. He says, the Lord God is my strength. Even in all of these things, I will rejoice and I will praise the Lord. And he says, the Lord God is my strength. That he will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on, high, on my high hills. Why does, this, why does Habakkuk here say he's going to make his feet like deer's feet? This is actually, you'll recognize this analogy uh, because it's used several times throughout scripture, scripture, throughout the Psalms and throughout other areas in the Old Testament. That he'll make my feet, my feet like deer's feet. Or another translation say he'll make my feet like hind's feet. Many of you have probably have heard of the book, Heinz, what is it, Heinz uh, Feet in High Places, I believe, or something along those lines. So we've heard the analogy before. What, what, did, what are they talking about? Why does the Lord make our feet like deer's feet? Well, de- the, the analogy that they're trying to, the point they're trying to make is that a deer, have you ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a deer trip, stumble and fall? That deer are steady and they're sure-footed. And they're grace, they're graceful creatures. What this is saying here is that even though everything's falling apart, when I begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he makes my feet stable. He makes my movements graceful. And it, it says on high hills, on other translations say, uh, talk about mountains, that, that though, through the rough terrain, through the, through the rough terrain, the, the difficult places to maneuver and to walk, that he makes my feet stable. And he guides me through that path of the rough terrain, through the difficult times. We worship one, number one, because through it, he makes us stable through the rough terrain. Amen? He guides our feet and makes us graceful as we walk through. He, he gives us strength to walk through the difficult times. When we worship through pain, when we glorify him in the midst of our suffering and uncertainty, it causes his strength to fall upon us. And we are able to navigate through the rough mountainous, unsteady terrain 
with strength and with confidence and with grace. I could tell you, I'm not going to go into it, but I could tell you many times in my life where I've struggled with difficult situations, whether it's losing somebody I love, whether it's uh, just dealing with a difficult situation, being misunderstood, whatever it may be, and the anxiety that rises up, the, the panic that rises up inside of you. And then I go to a place of worship. I go to a place where I'm in prayer and I'm honoring the Father. And I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how it works. But all of a sudden, all of that pain, all of that anxiety just begins to melt away. And all of a sudden, there's a confidence that comes. And listen, the situation doesn't go away. Maybe even the grief doesn't go away. But he gives you in those moments the strength to carry all of those things. He makes your feet stable. That you may still have to walk through the uncertain terrain. But he makes your feet stable and sure to be able to step in every right direction and not be tripped up along the way. Worship gives you strength in the midst of pain. It makes your feet stable and sure. Amen. Paul and Silas show us another reason why we worship while going through pain. It's a very familiar story. Paul and Silas were in the region of the Philippi and they were there ministering and they were being followed by this young lady who was possessed by an evil spirit, it says. And the, the young lady was, was proclaiming, was following them and proclaiming over and over again that these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Interesting, right? This young lady who is possessed by a spirit of divination is proclaiming that these are servants of the Most High God. That they bring the message of salvation, which this isn't my message this morning, but it's interesting because it tells us that you can say the right things with the wrong spirit. You can say the right things with the wrong spirit. So always be mindful of what spirit you are operating in. So you can say the right things with the wrong spirit. But what's funny about this is it says, the Bible literally says this. It says that this lady, this young lady followed Paul and Silas for days proclaiming this. And it said, finally, literally says, finally, Paul, being greatly annoyed, <laughs> turns and rebukes the spirit and casts it out. It doesn't say because of Paul's love for the young lady <laughs> or because Paul wanted to see her delivered. It said that he was just flat out annoyed by this chick following him around, proclaiming all of this stuff. So he turns. I love how honest the Bible is, right? It doesn't try to make things nice and shiny and pretty and neat. No, Paul didn't, Paul didn't do it because he cared. Paul did it because he was annoyed. And so anyways, I love how real and authentic the Bible always is. Amen? So Paul rebukes the spirit and it says... That the owners, the girl was a slave girl, and it says that the owners of this young lady were angry because they were now going to be, that this, this young lady and the, 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 uh, the, the spirit of divination, am I saying that right? You, you know what I'm saying. The, the spirit of divination that was on her 
was making them a profit. And now that it was gone, she was a fortune teller, right? And now that that was gone, now they were losing out on money. So they got upset and got angry. So they do what they always do. And they form a riot in town. They stir up a riot in the city, which causes then Paul and Silas to be, it says that they were severely beaten with rods. They were severely beaten with rods. And then they were chained. Their hands and their feet were chained. And they were thrown into the deepest, darkest cell in the prison. We all know what happens next in the story. I'll just read it to you here. In Acts chapter 16. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. That after being severely beaten with rods, shackled, thrown into the deepest, darkest prison. Listen, at that moment, they had no idea what their future was going to look like. They had no idea whether or not they were to be killed for whatever reason or whether they're going to be in prison for however long. They had no idea what the future was. But it says at midnight, being shamed and shackled, they begin singing and praising God. And I love how it includes this detail. And it says the others, the other prisoners were listening. The other prisoners were listening. Listen. When you begin to worship in the midst of suffering, it will capture the attention of the world. It'll capture the attention of those around you in the world. Why? Why does it capture the attention? Because it is not natural. It is radical to respond to pain and suffering by worshiping. It's radical. It's, it's not common. It's not natural for that to happen. And because it's not natural, it's going to capture the attention of the world. See, pain, pain has a narrowing effect, right? When you're in pain, you get tunnel vision. Everything in the peripheral disappears. And usually, in, in, in pain, the only thing you can focus on is the pain. Everything else falls by the wayside. Listen, when I was laying in that dentist's office, I was not thinking about my sweet young little kids. I wasn't thinking about our church. All I was thinking about is how much I dislike my sister for telling them I didn't need to be sedated. You know, I, I, all I could think about was the pain. And that's, the pain, that's what pain does is it narrows our focus. We become very selfish. When we're in pain, we become very internally focused when we're in pain. So when our response is not to dwell on our suffering, but rather to turn around and celebrate the goodness of God, it will capture the attention of the world. It will capture the attention of the world. But then watch what happens next in verse 26. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The anointing, listen, the anointing from our worship. Our worship in the midst of suffering. The anointing that comes from that. Not only 
sets us free, but it has the power to set free those around you as well. When you worship in pain, it captures the attention of the world and it not only releases you from your shackles, but it can also release others from their shackles. Prime example of this is just a few weeks ago. Many of you are aware of the situation, the tragedy when Ben Capshaw, Pastor Ben Capshaw, was, was killed in a car accident. A few days after the accident, a few days after the accident, we held a prayer vigil there at their church, right in front of their church in the middle of the city. And uh, the, during the vigil, we, we did some praise and worship. And normally at prayer vigils, especially situations like this that were very unexpected, very tragic, very tragic and, and they happen to people who are very influential in the community, who are very well loved, normally those atmospheres are just, is, is just, or that atmosphere is full of grief and sadness and despair and hopelessness. But we went in that prayer vigil and we began worshiping. And in the middle of the crowd stands Amanda Capshaw, Ben's wife, with her hands stretched out in the air. You see Isaac Capshaw, his son, his oldest son, in the middle of the crowd with his hands stretched out in the air. And you see Noah Capshaw, the youngest son, with his eyes closed and his hands stretched in the air. And they're singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. You're the promise keeper. You're the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. A wife and two sons who had just tragically lost their father unexpectedly. Not angry at God. I'm sure they had their own questions. But they had their hands in the air and they were singing, God, you are the way maker. You are my light in the darkness. And I want to tell you, in an atmosphere that should be full of grief and mourning, was immediately transformed into a, an atmosphere of peace and joy. And there was no hopelessness, not even a hint of hopelessness there that night. All there was, was the hope of Jesus and the goodness of the Father. That in the midst of Amanda's, in the midst of Noah and Isaac's suffering, their choice was worship. And because their choice was worship, listen, I'm telling you, if you were there that night, you know, it not only shifted, I don't believe the atmosphere of the people that were, I believe it shifted the entire atmosphere of that city. That their worship in the midst of pain released the shackles of a city. Jesus. You know, it's easy to talk about this subject. It's a whole nother thing to live it out. It's a whole nother thing to live it out. Your worship not only sets you free, but it releases, it sets free the captives around you. Amen? 
What's the, I want to give you the last reason here in my notes here. The last reason we worship in pain. So the reasons I listed before, these, these couple reasons I've listed before, honestly, I think to say that they're the reason we worship is a bad way of saying it. I believe those are the effects of what happens when we worship. But the reason, the purpose we worship in pain is simply because he is worthy. For no other reason, it's because he's worthy. Listen, if we, if we are to worship in pain in order to gain something back, what that, that it actually is, is flattery. It's not worship. If we worship in order to receive, it's actually manipulation. So though, though those things are true, the, the effects of worshiping through pain causes strength to come upon us. And it causes our feet to be steady. And it causes our shackles and other shackles to be released. All of those things are true and wonderful. But the reason we worship in pain is that even though our circumstance isn't great, even though we are in the midst of suffering, it does not change the fact that he is good and he is worthy of our worship. So in the midst of pain, we continue to worship because he deserves it. And here, listen, here's the beautiful thing about God. I'm closing. I, I know we've gone a little longer today. The beautiful thing about God is, is this, is that he does not exempt himself from human suffering. In fact, not only does he not exempt himself, he immerses himself into our suffering. Hebrews 4, verse 15, out of the King James, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Listen, Jesus knows what it's like to be misunderstood. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed and to have a knife stuck in your back. He knows what it's like to lose people that he loves. He knows what it's like to go through physical pain and torture. And, and listen, the father does not exempt him. It's not just the son. The father, it says, it says that, 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 Christ, that God, the father, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We worship in pain because he's worthy. We worship in pain because God does not just put himself out of it. But God immerses himself into our suffering. He mourns with those who mourn. He grieves and he weeps with those who weep. So we don't have a father. We don't have a high priest that does not know or cannot be touched by our feelings of infirmity. Rather, we have one that immerses himself into human suffering. And the reason why we worship in pain, and this one, if you don't get, listen, if you don't get anything else out of the message today, I want you to get this. We worship in the midst of suffering. Because there's going to be a day in heaven where every tear is wiped away. Where there will be no more pain and no more suffering. Listen, and that's another thing too. I'm not going to get into it. But it was never God's will for humans to be immersed in suffering. And we know that because he prays, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven there is no pain. 
There is no suffering. And we're leading up to a place. He's coming to a place where he's going to fully restore the earth. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. And because of that, we worship in suffering now. Because this, listen here, this will be the only opportunity we have in all of eternity to give God a sacrifice of praise in the midst of suffering. We will never have the privilege again of offering God our worship in the midst of suffering. Which makes our worship now so special and so sweet and so, so just, it has so much worth because in heaven there will be no pain. But here we have the opportunity that in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our suffering to give God an offering of worship, even though we're in pain. That makes our worship here now, when we are still faced with the dilemma of human suffering, so beautiful and sweet and special that in the midst of pain, we take our eyes off of ourselves and declare, Lord, you are good. That Lord, you are beautiful. God, even though my circumstance is not good and it's not beautiful and it's painful and it hurts, it does not negate the fact that you are good and you are beautiful. Hallelujah. So this is the great privilege we have, Harmony Christian Church. That while we are still on this planet and we're still dealing with suffering and we're still dealing with pain and we're still dealing with being misunderstood and we're dealing with losing loved ones and we're dealing with sicknesses and cancers and, and all of these, these horrible things that the curse of human rebellion has brought upon us. We have this great honor and privilege that in the midst of our suffering, we can turn our eyes to heaven and declare, God, you are worthy and you are good and you are beautiful. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Jesus, I can look around the room and see many situations where people are dealing with the condition of human suffering where they're dealing with loss or they're dealing with illnesses, whatever it may be, whether, whether they're just suffering from whatever it may be, Father. God, I thank you that we have the great privilege that in the midst of that suffering, we can honor you. God, I pray that as we choose to worship you in the midst of our suffering, God, that you would come and you would strengthen our backs, Father. That you would come and you would make our feet stable and sure. That as we walk through the uneven, uncertain terrain, Father. God, that we would be able to walk through it with grace and with stability and with strength. God, I'm even reminded back in the Old Testament. When Noah was commissioned to go onto the ark and the great flood was coming. God, it says that you went with him onto the ark. 
God, that in the midst of the great tragedy of the flood, God, that you didn't abandon Noah, that you didn't abandon the earth, but you went with them and you went through the flood with Noah, God. And, and it's the same with our situation that we may have to go through tragedy. We may have to go through pain. God, the Bible, the Bible doesn't hide the fact that we go through suffering. We can see suffering going on every, and you didn't exempt yourself from it. But Father, I thank you that through every page, through every example of human suffering in the Bible, God, that you were closer than a brother. God, that you walked through every one of those situations with them. And Father, you do the same for us. God, and I thank you that the anointing that comes from worshiping in the midst of pain releases our shackles and releases the shackles of those around us. God, give us the grace to worship you in every season, in every circumstance, to look at you and say that you are good and you are beautiful. Father, we love you. We honor you today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.